I want to um, get into the message now in Philippians chapter 3. We're in um, the second half of this series and the second half of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippian church. You've been reading and journaling with us. We're now up to chapter 3 and it begins with this in verse 1. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things and I do it to safeguard your faith. Even though there's a lot that Paul could complain about, a lot maybe he should complain about, Philippians is the most encouraging letter in the whole Bible. That's, that's what we've been hearing about over these last three weeks, that God will continue his good work in your life no matter what, no matter the circumstances, no matter what you're going through. And you can have your attitude, you can have your mind, you can have your relationships, your entire life transformed by Jesus, partnering. With his transforming work means that we can change the way we think and the way that we act and the way that we treat each other. That's what Paul's been writing about. And he says, whatever happens, and he's in a bad situation, whatever happens, we can have joy in Jesus. So rejoice because of Jesus, because of who he is and what he's done. Rejoice with him for everything that he is and everything that he's done for you. And Paul says that he's writing this letter to safeguard their faith. And and we can safeguard our faith as well. Now, before we go to what Paul actually says or who or what we need to safeguard against, I'd love you to think about this for yourself in your life. Who, who might you need to safeguard your faith against? The original word we have here that Paul uses that we have as safeguard means that he wants their faith to be reliable and certain and sure, like like strong foundations in a building. And so I wonder who you might need to watch out for or what you might need to watch out for to safeguard your faith. Is there is there someone whose ideas or, or, or opinions or um, ideology that you feel like you, you need to watch out for to safeguard your faith? Do you, do you need to safeguard your faith to make it strong against people who make fun of you or, or people who overlook you or people who argue with you about your faith? Well, I'm willing to guess that, that neither you or I thought about the kind of person that Paul is about to describe in his letter to the Philippians. Let, let's, have, let's learn from him. In verse 2, he says, Watch out for those dogs. Those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. Nope, I did not think, I would not have put on my own list that I need to be safeguarded from people who say I have to be circumcised to be a Christian. But even though we're not facing that particular challenge today or those particular people today, the real heart of what Paul's talking about is something we're still facing today. So let's keep reading. In verse 2, we we already read, Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. 
Now, here's a quick summary of what that meant for the Philippian church. Jewish people in the first century had a religious ritual of circumcising boys on the eighth day of their life. And they did this because God had asked them to. It was it was a physical mark, a physical reminder of a spiritual reality. The purpose was it reminded all the people they belonged to God. They were different than all the people around them. But when a man converted to Judaism later in life, he was still circumcised, no matter how old he was. If he was uncircumcised, which everyone else was when he became a Jewish person and put his faith in Yahweh, the Jewish God, he was circumcised. Now, I'm not up on my first century knife technology, but we're talking about something between a, a stone knife and a sword. That's, that's how committed they were to this practice. But in the time after Jesus... In, in this, this, this renewed faith that Jesus brought, what you had was people coming from Judaism, Jewish people coming to faith in Jesus, and they, all the men, were already circumcised because they had been in their faith. But then you have everyone else, the Gentiles, everyone else who wasn't Jewish, also coming to the same equal faith in Jesus, uncircumcised. And this created an issue. Is circumcision still important for our faith and and for this renewed faith in Jesus as the Messiah, the one that God had promised and sent? But circumcision was just the surface issue. Jewish Christians said, if you want to be saved, Jesus will save you. If you also do everything else on the list to earn your way to God, to save yourself and make yourself okay with God, So let's put this in today's language. No matter your background, you can be saved by Jesus. You can be in a right, okay relationship with God because of Jesus. But we also have our own list of religious and and spiritual things that we've done. And so you also have to do them. Now, circumcision isn't on our list anymore. But we have other cultural things and religious things that we add to salvation in Jesus. And they're not bad things. Just like circumcision wasn't a bad thing, but the problem is that we make them as important as Jesus. And we say, you have to do them if you really want to be a Christian. And that's, that's what makes people, that's what makes Paul call people who enforce that stuff dogs, mutilators of the flesh, people who do evil because they're mandating behavior rather than living out the truth that only faith in Jesus can make you a Christian. And you and I still need safeguarding from today's dogs. So watch out for people that say you have to add practical or physical things to your faith to really be called a follower of Jesus. People who say you have to be baptized. You have to go to church every week. Here I am on video. I'm, I'm sorry. People who say you have to give at least 10% of your income to the church. You must read the Bible every day, memorize parts of it. People who say you have to practice a full day of Sabbath rest every week, or you're not a Christian, you're not a real Christian, you're obviously not a serious Christian unless you do those things. You can't be okay with God unless you do all the things as well. But what's wrong with those things? Nothing. They're all good things. I've probably told you to do each of those things at at different times because they're good things. But the problem is when we place our confidence and trust in those physical things to convince ourselves, okay, I'm okay with God. 
I'm, I'm really saved. I'm a real Christian because I do these things. Or how much guilt or pressure we put on other people to convince themselves that they have done enough. So Paul says to his people, physical circumcision does nothing for you spiritually. It can't save you. What can save you, the only thing that can save you is a relationship with Jesus Christ and being filled with his spirit. And so for us today, you could get baptized, you could have communion, you could go to church every week for the rest of your life, you could read the Bible and memorize it, you could give your money away, you could have a day of rest every week, but that in itself won't ever make you and God okay. That won't ever be enough for you and God to be okay. Your salvation only happens through an act of faith. Not faith in your effort or your ability, but faith in what Jesus has done for you. None of the other things can do anything for you spiritually by themselves. You can't behave your way into heaven or into a relationship with God. You can only ask and trust you have it by faith in Jesus. So Paul says, we put no confidence in human effort to be saved by God. No confidence. You know how in the government, if someone in parliament can put a motion forward to say, hey, I want us to to discuss and to vote whether we can have confidence in the government of today. Mr. Speaker, I put forward this motion. Everyone in the House of Parliament votes as to whether they believe they can have confidence or not in the government. And Paul says he used to have confidence in doing all these other things. And he says, you know, he he was the best. He had all the credentials. But now he realizes that he and we can have no confidence in what we can do. Instead, we can only have confidence in what Jesus has already done for us. And so he says, watch out for people. Watch out for people that make you think otherwise. Watch out for people who say that God is angry with you and that's why you're suffering. They are dogs. Watch out for them. Paul was a a faithful apostle, and yet he suffered with a debilitating issue, physical issue and sickness. Watch out for people that say that God is blessing you because you're doing everything right. Paul did so much good, so much right. He had all the credentials, and he was in prison. Watch out for people who say that you can have confidence in your status with God, your salvation, your eternal destination because of what you do. They're dangerous dangerous people. And I wonder if you know anyone like that. I wonder if you know anyone that, that Paul would call a, a dog. You, we're more likely to call them great examples or godly people, people who are completely devoted to Jesus, people that we wish we were like. But if they make us feel guilty that we aren't doing enough for God, like we have to do more to be the real deal, Paul says, watch out for them. You can only rely on what Christ Jesus has done for you, but no confidence in your own effort. Philippians 3, 7. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Paul used to think these things, our own efforts, were valuable, but now he thinks of them as completely worthless. Because of Jesus and for Jesus, you have to let go of everything else in order to really take hold of him. Now, no analogy or illustration is going to be perfect in helping us understand this, but but let me try one. Um, I used to collect CDs. 
Now, I was never the right age. I wasn't born in the right era to collect LPs and records genuinely. Um, and I've never ironically collected them or owned them, but I did collect CDs and I, and I love to collect and curate my CD collection. They were valuable. They were important to me. They proved ownership. I could listen to my CDs anytime. And then even as uh, computer technology came along and I could rip the CDs onto my computer, then I could listen to them anytime on my computer or iPod or eventually phone. And then when Laura and I were married, she brought her CD collection and we combined the two. And what we had was really valuable and important to us. It was of, of great value. And then as time went on, it became possible to download an album from iTunes. And so I would download an album that I owned, even though I didn't have the CD for it, and blend that with what I had of my CD music on my computer, and again, just curated this collection of music myself. But now we're living in the streaming era. My CD collection has become less and less valuable to the point where it's worthless to me. But I resisted this change. I, I'm old school. I was raised in a different way. My kids, they don't know and they don't care. They naturally and intrinsically know the value of a streaming service. But in the language of Philippians 3, I still placed confidence in my ability to maintain a CD collection of limited music. But I struggled to let go of that and grasp the concept that I could take hold of a streaming service with unlimited music. It was only this year but I took that leap to consider my CD collection worthless, but to place my confidence in a streaming service. I let go of my ability to listen to some music and gained the ability to listen to infinite music by comparison. And Paul writes in verse 9, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. This change is difficult. It's difficult if you're old school like me, if you grew up in a different era of the church, because not that long ago, most Christians still acted like Old Testament people who just added Jesus on. Yes, yes, we're saved by faith in Jesus, but, but you've got to do everything else. Everything is up to you and your hard work. You've got to read. You've got to go. You've got to give, give, give. You've got to do all the right things all the emphasis, intentionally or accidentally, was on what you had to do. But Paul said 2,000 years ago that this just doesn't work and it's wrong and it's dangerous. It doesn't lead to righteousness with God. It's worthless. And I know how hard it is to let go of that way of thinking, but we must let it go if we're going to be able to take hold of true righteousness, which comes by having complete faith and confidence in Jesus. This is... It's a bit heavier today, a bit more complex maybe, but, but if you've heard me speak before, it's also not a new idea, but maybe for someone today, it's clicking for the first time. And all of us can dig in more as we read and journal during the week. What you do is important only when you're already saved by faith in Jesus. So going to church every week becomes important and valuable and helpful because it's working out your salvation, like Laura talked about last week, and giving and and reading your Bible and studying and baptism and communion are all helpful, important things because it leads to our transformation as a follower of Jesus. And the possibilities are amazing. When you let go of your weak attempts 
to get there by yourself and you let go of your attempts to make yourself okay with God or to fix yourself and instead you take hold of Jesus, the possibilities of relationship, transformation and growth are incredible. In verse 12, this is the last verse for today. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. This is perfection. Knowing that through faith, through God's free gift, I already belong to Jesus. I can rest in that and then partner with him to be transformed and to keep growing lifelong growth on this safeguarded foundation of a restored relationship with Jesus. Now, some of you, like me, our motivation used to be fear that God was angry with you, worry that he was judging you. What if I die today? What if Jesus comes back today? Terror about going to hell. But, but that motivation is worthless compared to the value the perfection of knowing that through faith in Jesus, you are loved, perfectly accepted, completely liked and cared about and cared for. And so we press on. We press on letting go of those past attitudes, those past motivations, the worthless stuff, and instead look forward to what lies ahead, living with the end in mind, working out our salvation, like Laura talked about last week, to partner with God because... He already loves us, cares about us, and has saved us. This is what it means to press on. Don't slip back into your old ways of thinking. Instead, keep going to take hold of Jesus, who's already taken hold of you. Let's pray. Jesus, would you help us understand this for our lives? Would you help us let go of those worthless attitudes and behaviors and take hold of you, confidence only in you. And then would you lead us in practical ways to figure out what that looks like in our life, we ask in your name. Amen.